Let's uh, kneel together before we open God's word. God, we thank you that we can kneel before you today and acknowledge that we need you. I need you. We acknowledge that you are God. You are the giver of life. You are the sustainer of this life. And God, you have the words that can change us, God. And we want to be changed. We want to become people who truly praise you, who live out your purpose and will persevere no matter what. God, help us to do that. Teach us today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Next week, be sure to be here at 9.30. We will have a special guest speaker, Dr. Ben Carson. So you don't wanna miss that. You're losing one Ben, but gaining a much better Ben. A fake doctor for a real doctor. So come back. Invite your friends uh, next weekend, uh, 9.30, right here at 2nd. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was here on a Friday evening. And what's interesting about 2nd Baptist, especially the Woodway campus, is it's unlike, I think, any other church in the world in that there is something going on at this church basically seven days a week, virtually 24 hours a day. I mean, our, our buildings are, are, are greatly used. Our facilities are used to minister to all kinds of people, not just on Sunday, but all during the week. However, there is a brief little moment, sometimes on Friday, when things kind of empty out a little bit. So I was getting ready for the weekend, and so I came uh, into the worship center. I think I was using the old chalkboard. And so I was checking on the chalkboard, being sure that everything was a-okay. But when I walked into the worship center, I realized that I had a problem. No one was here. The lights were not on and no one was at home. It was pitch black in this cavernous worship center. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a church late night or a cathedral someplace when it's totally dark and no one's in here. But it's a little bit spooky. It is. It's kind of it's kind of ominous, you know? You, it's a little bit worshipful, but it's a little bit whoa, 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 whoa. So I was here and I realized that I, I didn't know where the light switch was, and so because there's only one that turns on all these lights, of course. And I said, I'm just gonna sit here in the dark. And so I was just kind of sitting here contemplating and someone called me on my phone and I was talking to him. And as I was talking and as I was sitting here in the darkness, the utter darkness, I didn't see the light like I saw the light, but I started to see the lights. And as I looked around this dark, worship center. I could see a little square light there, a square light there, a square light there, a square light there. And I noticed that all the exit lights were still up. 
They were still available. In the midst of the darkness, there was that light that said exit. Now, trivia question. How many exits do you think are in this worship center right now? Raise your hand and I will call on you. How many exits? You gotta raise your hand. Come on. Yes, sir, how many? Seven, good guess. Yes, young lady. Eight exits, okay? One more guess. Yes, ma'am. 12 exits. I love all you guys, thanks for playing, but you're all wrong, you don't win the prize. Check this out. There are 38, wow, right? I didn't know that. 38 exits in the worship center. You say, why are there 38 exits? That sounds excessive. I can give you two words to explain that. Fire code, fire code, that's it, that's it. We have 38 exits. So I was, I was thinking, I said, that's a lot of exits. There, there are a lot of ways to leave this facility, to leave this room. And I thought about all the people that I'd known throughout the years of being here, throughout the decades. People who've come to church, come to God, and people who have left. And I thought about how there's so many exits. There's so many ways to leave church and to leave God. Was it Paul Simon that wrote the song years ago, there must be 50 ways to leave your lover? Slip out the back, Jack, make a new plan, stand. Listen, there are so many ways to leave God, to find an exit. I've seen people exit God and exit the church when they went through a major storm in their life. A catastrophe struck and bam, they were trying to process it but they couldn't and they got so mad at God and so angry that they found an exit. I've talked to other people who had these doubts, doubts about the Bible, doubts about God, doubts about some of the basics of the Christian faith, and they didn't find answers, or they didn't seek to find answers. So those doubts became an exit for them. I've seen other people just drift away. Just kind of stop skipping church, stop praying, and you kind of start drifting away. Some people may make a lot of money and they make a great investment and, and they get a, a second life and they have you know, different places they can go and they just bail out on Sunday. They just exit and eventually they exit from God altogether. It's easy to leave. It's easy to find an exit. Especially in life when things are really dark, when things are difficult when things are chaotic, when things are challenging, we're tempted to look for an exit instead of looking for a way through. Looking for a way through. How do we find our way through? How do we say no to the temptation, to the exits, 
and stay on the course and stay on the track that God has for us. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews 12, verses one and three. It's one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. I go back to Hebrews 12, one and three, time and time and time and time again. And it's good, I think, to find passages, to find books in the Bible or verses in the Bible that you go back to time and time again. We all have our go-tos in life. Find yourself a go-to passage. This is one of my go-to passages. Perhaps it'll become one of yours, but I love this passage because it tells us how we can make it through. We've been talking about the power of God, how we can find the power of God in praise, the power of God in purpose, and the power of God is found when we persevere. And we persevere in a way that honors God and brings his power and life into our life. Let's look at Hebrews 12, verses one through three, all right? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and you know, when you see the word therefore, you always ask the question, what is it therefore? And therefore is referring back to Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11, as we know, is the hall of fame of faith. These are the men and women who went all the way through. They didn't take that convenient exit. They didn't back out. They didn't bail. They persevered. They endured under arduous times. Moses, Sarah, Abraham, Rahab, Daniel, Joseph, all these great men and women of faith. That's what he's referring back to. We're surrounded by them as a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's easy to grow weary and lose heart. It's easy to get tired in the journey, but in order to make it through, in order to persevere, we need to ask ourselves three questions. Three questions, three questions that will practically help us persevere, endure, and finish the race that God has for us. Now, the three questions I'm gonna talk about here today are not simply questions from God's word. They're, they're not questions uh, from my own life experience that that's involved, but they're questions and, and strategies and wisdom that I've taken from men and women over the years who've endured all types of hellacious pain and suffering and circumstances that are absolutely beyond the pale. So that's where I'm drawing this data from. So these three questions 
are not some arbitrary questions that I've chosen that we find we can just throw away. No, these are three questions that have been earned and burned in the blood and sweat and toil of real life, real men and women who've endured so much to make it through. This passage is obviously using an analogy about a race, okay? It's talking about we're running a race. And I love this passage because it says, you need to run your race with endurance. God has a race for you and God has a race for me. Your race is different from my race. The hurdles you face are different from the hurdles I face. The wall you will hit in your marathon called life or your ultra marathon called life, the walls you will hit, the walls you have to clear are different from my walls. But we all have this race to run. We have to race it with endurance. And these three questions will help us out. Imagine this. Imagine that you were on the banks of this mighty river. It's a wide river, it's, it's a raging river, it's a dangerous river. There are crocodiles in this river, there are piranha in this river, there's a strong current, and you know you have to get to the other side of the river, you don't have a boat, you gotta somehow get through that, and you're wondering how in the world am I gonna get to the other side of this river? And as you're on the banks of the river, you kinda glance over there and you see some people that are on the other side. And they're saying, hey, jump on in, you can make it. And you're saying, no way, I don't know where to go, I don't know what to do. And they say, hey, listen to me and I will guide you. I will help you make it through to the other side of the river. I've been where you've been. I've fought these battles, I know the steps, I know the rocks, I know the dangers. Listen to me and you will make it to the other side. That's the first question we need to ask ourselves in order to persevere and to win this race. You have to ask yourself the question is this, who's been through what I'm going through? Who's been through what I'm going through? Find someone or find a group of people who have already made it through or maybe they're already at the finish line. And you can find them, you can listen to them, perhaps if you can't listen and meet them, you can read their books and find the material, but find out who they are and listen to the wisdom they can give you. Find someone that you wanna be like. Find someone who's endured this time of darkness and challenge that you're facing. Find them and find out how they got to where they are. Who's been through what I am going through? A lot of people can endure, a lot of people can survive, but you wanna find someone who has survived and endured in a certain way, in a way that has honored God, in a way that has allowed them to grow in the grace and the wisdom of God. Find them, listen to them, they can speak wisdom and truth into your life. Ask yourself the question, who's been through what I am going through? So then when you find that right person or the right group of people, ask the right person the right 
questions to get the right answers. Ask the right people the right questions to get the right answers. If you want to win the race, if you want to endure, if you want to persevere in a way where you experience the power of God, ask the right people the right questions to get the right answers. That's what this great cloud of witnesses are all about. People who have gone before us in the past, people who are here in the present that we can follow, that we can learn, that can speak truth and wisdom into our life. Find someone who's been through what I'm going through. That's the first question in our three questions that will help you persevere and finish your race. The second question is, you ask yourself, is what do I need to stop? What do I need to stop? Because when you're going through a chaotic season in life, when you're going through a challenging season in life, when you maybe feel like you're looking for an exit, there's some things that you're doing that you probably need to stop. Stop. I don't know what those things are for you, but let me give some things that a lot of us deal with, a lot of us struggle with, that we need to stop doing. One thing we need to stop doing is stop comparing. Stop comparing. Stop thinking to yourself, if I only had their life, things would be so much better for me. If I only had that family, my life would be a lot better. If I only had their marriage, things would be a lot better. If I only looked like them, things would be a lot better. If I only, and you start looking at other people, you start looking at what they have, you start looking at their gifts, you start looking and you start saying, wow, here I am in this horrible situation, here I am, in this challenging time, trying to make it through this wall, trying to clear this hurdle in my race, and look at old, you know, you know, Bill, and look at old Mike, and look at old Susan, and look at old, you know, whoever, Christine. They have got it made in the shade. I just checked Instagram today. Look at them. They're in the Bahamas right now, and I'm in Houston, right? They have their life together. I don't. Don't compare. Comparison will mess you up. I mean, I see this all the time, all the time, all the time. For many years, I was a singles pastor in our church. We've had thousands and thousands of singles come to our church, meet and all this, and I've seen so many singles that are just, you know, dying to get married. If I can just find the one, then I will be happy. then I've seen thousands of married couples. If I could just be sick, no, no, seriously. But no one's happy. No one's dealing with their life and their race and their issues. But comparing your life to someone else's life, 
their relational status to your relational status is not a way through. It's a dead end game. It will depress you, it will crush you. Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is a thief of joy. So stop comparing. This is your life. This is your race. This is your challenge. Stop comparing. Also stop complaining. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Everywhere you go, to every person you see, and every text you, you send out, you're always complaining, you're always whining about your situation, about your challenge. And pretty soon, people are gonna run from you. Oh no, here comes Ben. All he can do is dump all of his problems and worries and complaints and anxieties on me. How can I run away from him? Do I have to answer his text right now? Probably not, right? He'll just pour out more junk. Don't complain. Complaining and whining doesn't move the ball down the field. It doesn't. Now let me say this. There's a place for complaining. There's a place for complaining. Look in the Bible, in the book of Psalms. I've talked a lot about that this summer. In the book of Psalms, a lot of Psalms is all about complaining. A lot of Psalms could be labeled Psalms of complaint by David, right? He's just complaining. God, where are you? God, my enemies surround me. Don't you care? Everybody's rejected me. Nobody loves me. I'm swimming in my cheers. I'm so sad. My bones are rotting away, God. Hawaiian or 49er, here we go. There's another book in the Bible that's all about whining. It's called the book of Lamentations. Lamenting. It's a book of lament. So God gives us permission when we're trying to persevere. We're looking for a way through, not a way out. We're not looking for an exit. God gives us permission to go before him in prayer. I know a lot of us aren't comfortable with this, but he gives us permission to whine and complain, to vent, then to let it all out. So I'm not saying there's not a place for that. And perhaps you have one caring friend or one caring family member, or you have one great therapist, and you can go and you can complain and you can, you know, Dump on them until the cows come home. It doesn't matter. But don't complain to everyone else in your life. They'll want to avoid you. It doesn't help you win this race and persevere. So stop complaining. Third thing we probably have to stop doing for some of us is to stop caving. Stop caving. You say, what do you mean stop caving? Well, do you remember the story of Elijah? Elijah was this, just really strong, powerful prophet. He had this power encounter uh, with, with you know, the, the, the gods of Baal and, and he won the power encounter on Mount Carmel and he's like the, you know, the bomb.com and everybody's praising him and he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Ooh, Elijah, he's the man, woohoo, right? He's great. So many times after a mountaintop victory, you know, it's easy to kind of go, mm, sink a little bit. So pretty soon Elijah's on top of the mountain. He's won everything. 
But Jezebel puts a hit out on him and wants to take his life. So what does Elijah do? He just faced down all these people on Mount Carmel. He goes into a cave. He isolates. He crawls up in a, in a little fetal position in darkness, trembling. It was called the cave of Horeb, H-O-R-E-B. He's in the cave of Horeb, which was a horrible idea. Sometimes when we're going through a dark time in life, a depressing time in life, a difficult time in life, we're on this race, we're trying to persevere and we've hit the wall or we're injured, we want to isolate. We will go into a, a dark cave, the, the cave of Horeb. We don't want to be around family. We don't want to be around friends. We especially don't want to go to church, which is kind of crazy, isn't it? Because church, remember, is, is not a country club for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. That's who we are. But it's tempting to do that. I know I have that tendency. I have the tendency to want to isolate, to go into a cave, not to be around family members, not to be around friends when I'm going through a tough time, you know, not want to go to church, which is pretty difficult where that's where you work, you know. But don't cave, don't, don't isolate yourself when you're trying to persevere and run this race. So there are three questions that will help us. Three questions. The first question, who's been through what I'm going through? Find them, seek them out. The second question, what do I need to stop? The third question, what do I need to start? What do I need to start doing? Even though I can't completely figure out how to get over this wall, I can't figure out how to clear this hurdle, or I feel injured, I pull the hamstring in the, in the race of life, or I'm really tough, I'm trying to endure, I don't wanna look for an exit, I'm trying to make it. What do I need to start doing in this time? Well, one thing you need to start doing is you need to start thanking. Start thinking. Life is one big gratitude test. Life is a gratitude test. Am I thankful? Start your day off. Maybe even before you get out of bed. Maybe get on your knees in bed or lie there and just start thanking God for everything that flows into your mind. God, I thank you for the bed. I thank you for the pillow. I thank you for the floor. I thank you for the roof over my head. I thank you for the street that I'm on. I thank you for that. I thank you. And you start thanking God and thanking God and thanking God and thanking God and thanking God. And you thank God until your thanker is worn out. And get up, go downstairs and get some coffee and go on your day. Then at the end of your day, do the same thing. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Maybe you wanna write down things like that. I don't know, but you need to develop and I need to develop and continue to develop a lifestyle of being thankful. Thankful. Do it in the a.m. before you wake up. Do it in the p.m. before you go, uh, doze off. 
start thinking. Second thing we need to start doing is to start caring. And caring is all about attitude. Attitude. And that's about God. How can I care for someone today? How can I show kindness to someone today? Even though my life is, is incredibly challenging, my life is confusing, my life is uh, you know, chaotic right now, God, I still wanna be used by you and I wanna do something that's kind and caring for someone today. What can I do today? God, how can I be kind to someone today? Pray that prayer tomorrow. I dare you. I dare you. I think about a story I heard coming out of COVID and stuff. There was an, an elderly man um, who uh, depended upon his disability check. He was disabled. And because of all the backlog in the government, it had been his check, his disability check had been long overdue. So he was just scraping to get by. Finally, he went to the mailbox and he opened it up and it was a disability check. So he immediately went down to the grocery store and he filled his card up with some essential items. And he was going to check out and the checker said that'll be $173. And the old man looked down and he's, he realized he didn't have it. So he started putting back things on the counter there at the checkout. And this little high school girl who was a cashier said, said, mister, you don't need to do that. And she reached into her purse, took out her money and paid his bill. Just a simple act of kindness, of caring. Start caring. What else we need to start doing? We need to start serving. Start serving. Start serving. If you talk to any expert in, in the field of depression and you ask them, if, if someone's going through a time of depression, what is something that they can do that will be helpful to curb their depression? Any expert, secular or sacred, will tell you this. First thing someone needs to do is to get up and go outside. Get up and go outside. Get off the couch, get out of bed, Go outside, take a walk. The second thing they'll tell you that someone needs to do is they need to serve. Find a place to serve. Find a place where you can literally start making a difference in someone else's life. Come up to the church. Talk to one of our missions pastors. Talk to someone on staff. Say, hey, I want to do something. I want to serve. What can I do? Go down to Star of Hope, talk to someone there. I wanna volunteer, I wanna serve, what can I do? And that way when you're serving, there's someone that you're accountable to. That person, that group of people are looking to you or looking to me to show up and help and serve. Jesus said, I, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve, to serve and to lay my life down, start serving, start serving. Stop comparing and start thinking. 
Stop complaining and start caring. Stop caving and start serving. Three questions. Three questions. Who's been through what I'm going through? What do I need to stop? What do I need to start? And these three questions can be a prayer unto God. God, show me. Lord, show me. Lead me to those people that have been through what I'm going through. God, show me in my life right now as I'm going through this challenge, as I'm trying to clear this hurdle and this challenge, God, show me what I need to stop. And God, show me what I need to start. Ain't that a prayer, a very practical prayer to God right now? And he will give you the answers and he will show you a way through. And the whole time, what are we doing according to the passage? We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're, we're fixing our eyes on Christ. He is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. He is our example in perseverance. In the last days of his race on earth, he was praying, oh God, if there's any way this cup can pass, if there is an exit here, he's praying. But then he says, God, not my will, but thy will be done. And he lays down his life. And he goes the distance all the way to the cross for you and for me. There are many exits. Many exits. There are 38 exits in here. There are many exits. There are many ways to leave but there's only one entrance, one entrance, and that's to humble yourself before the one who endured and persevered for you and me.